Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. It's a comfortable 75 degrees outside here in Puerto Vallarta. Another overcast morning, pretty nice actually. We love the overcast, it keeps things cool. And we had some rain yesterday, so I think we're starting into our rainy season. So as long as we can keep the rain up a little bit, it's clouds, it's, and you can walk outside and enjoy it, it's not too bad. Yesterday we were outside in the evening, it's quite nice. Well, we are moving into Second Samuel today, which is interesting. And First Chronicles 11. It's funny how, there it is, how I can't figure out how some days I get the words in front of me and the other days they're behind me. <laughs> hmm. It looks like the volume's okay. So, you know what I found? I got things organized today. And I have this day in trivia backed by my own demand. I don't know if it's popular demand. <laughs> if you think it's boring, let me know. But I find some of this stuff interesting. <laughs> I find trivia in history because so many things you just had no idea this went on. For instance, did you know that Israel attacked a U.S. Navy ship in 1967? It was the USS Liberty. It was attacked without warning by Israeli jets. 34 were killed, 171 injured. The issue was, and Israel apologized claiming that they mistook it for an Egyptian ship. This incident occurred during the Israeli Six-Day War, June 8, 1967. Occurred during the Israeli Six-Day War, neighboring states. Uh, so that would mean that today is the, whatever year, um, um, Six-Day War happened on June 8, 1967. Uh, well, at least one of the days of the Six-Day War. I don't know when it started. And that was a pivotal war. I mean, that was that really defined Israel as a nation because all, the, all these nations, Egypt, Jordan, and Syria, planned to wipe out Israel, and they knew it. They were getting ready. They had their plans. They had the intelligence, knowing that they were all getting ready to launch a major attack on Israel. And Israel found out about it. And they said, well, we're one little state. Can't let that happen. So they, um, they beat them to it. And they went and they bombed Egypt. And we actually had, Renee and I had a couple of good friends of ours, uh, Nabil and Susie, who were there as very young uh, people and uh, heard the bombs and were hiding and knew all about it. And as a believer, I asked him, well, how do, how do you deal with it as an Egyptian? And being having your country bombed, he says, well, you know what? Uh, I know what the Bible says about coming against Israel. That is not a good idea. So he, um, he loves his country, but he also knew that it was wrong. And he has a, you know, a biblical balance on that. And, of course, he's a believer, uh, which also makes a huge difference. Also, let's see, the uh, Bill of Rights on June 8th, 1789, 
was signed. I believe Bill of Rights is proposed, okay, not signed, by the U.S. Congress, James Madison. The Bill of Rights comprises the first 10 amendments to the U.S. Constitution. It provides guarantees of personal freedom and rights, clear limitation, limitation, clear uh, limitations on government power and judicial and other processes, proceedings, an explicit declaration that all powers are not specifically guaranteed to the federal government and constitution are and by the constitution are reserved to the states or the people. So, so it basically gives a lot of power back to the to the states and not, does not give all power to the federal government, and it guarantees personal freedoms and rights, free speech, right to bear arms, all in the Bill of Rights. And it was extremely important, highly valued, and guess what? It's the one thing that is being attacked viciously now in the United States. By the way, if you hear anything in the background, that's my neighbors redoing the house. Somebody else bought it. This is the fourth time they've rebuilt the house. (laughs) It's just right next to us. Uh, And, of course, they don't start until 9, for sure. No, it's nice and quiet, 8 to 9. It'll be perfectly quiet, mostly after about 10. It's just right when we're on online that they're, t- <laughs> that they're so loud. June 8, 1783, the, the Lockheed Volcano in southern Iceland erupts, spewing 3.4 cubic miles of lava. Wow. Over the flowing months, ultimately causing a famine and resulting in the death of 25% of Iceland's population. Lava fountains were estimated to be reaching the heights of 2,000 to 4,000 feet. The effects of the eruption caused a low flow of a um, caused low flow in the River Nile, resulting in a famine that killed one sixth of Egypt's population. Go figure! A a volcano in Iceland causes a a famine in Egypt. Now it says low flow of the River Nile. I would imagine it had a lot to do with the. Uh, covering the sun and not getting enough sunlight. I don't know. It didn't say. Huh. In July, a parish priest gained fame by holding a fire sermon as lava was heading towards the village of, can't even pronounce that name, the lava stopped short of the village while the town folk were in the the church. So it wasn't a fiery sermon. It was a fire sermon. But interesting. I would like to get a copy of that, see what it said. And last one, born June 8th, 1940. Um, American singer Frank Sinatra's daughter, Nancy Sinatra. Uh, first person to have an interracial kiss was Sammy Davis Jr. on international TV which made huge news but what I didn't know and I knew about that what I didn't know is who her famous song these boots are made for walking was used by the FBI to drive the cult branch Davidians from their compound during the Waco disaster can you imagine blurring these boots are made for walking and walking all over you to the branch Davidians while they're while they're firing upon it that would be rather overwhelming Okay, so I think that we got we got that taken care of. Let's 
let's move into our reading for today and pray and ask God to bless this time. So, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for bringing us together. And would you just guide us, Father, guide us and direct us in your word. Thank you for this time that we do have, that we can come before you and read these things and gain understanding, insights, and, Father, hopefully gain a deeper walk with you, fall more in love with you, and allow your spirit to have more control over our lives. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. First Samuel chapter 5. Notice we're jumping ahead. We're going to jump back to First Chronicles 11 because we're reading chronologically. So we're trying to keep all of these events in sequence if, if we can, if the uh, algorithm got it right. Let's see. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and your flesh. Previously, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel in and out. And the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel, and you will be ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and David made a covenant with them before the Lord at Hebron. And they anointed king David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. Now, the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land. And they said to David, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will turn you away, thinking David cannot enter here. Nevertheless, David captured the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. David said on that day, whoever would strike the Jebusite, let him reach the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul through the water tunnel. Therefore, they say, the blind or the lame shall not come into the house. So David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around from the Milo and inward. David became greater and greater, for the Lord God of hosts was with him. Then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David with cedar trees and carpenters and stone masons, and they built a house for David. And David realized that the Lord had established him as king of Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. Meanwhile, David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he came from Hebron, and more sons and daughters were born to David. Now these are the names of those who were born to him in Jerusalem. Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibithar, uh, Elisua, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphalet. Verse 17. When the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek out David. And when David heard of it, he went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines came and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. Then David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? 
And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. So David came to Baal Perasim and defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore, he named the place Baal Perasim. They abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them away. Now the Philistines came up once again and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. When David inquired of the Lord, he said, Shall I not go directly up, circle around behind them, and come at them in front from the balsam trees? It shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees. Then you shall act promptly. For then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. Then David did so, just as the Lord had commanded him. He struck down the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. Interesting, we see David is uh, anointed king, but remember he was already anointed by Samuel. So we kind of call this a ratification. It's the people... He's anointed king really for the benefit of the people more than anything else because they needed to all rally behind him and see this anointing. It's interesting they knew that he was to be Israel's king. How did they know? That's always not bothered me, but I've wondered about that because Samuel never pronounced it publicly that we know of. Maybe he did. Saul didn't want anybody to know. David didn't seem to be the kind of guy running around telling everybody, hey, I'm the only king. He was always busy running for his life. So it must have been the people, must have been the, the people that were around him that knew, that told others the word got out. Um, so there's a lot to cover here, but let's see how this dovetails into First Chronicles 11. Look at the whole picture, perhaps. Then all Israel gathered to David at Hebron and said, behold, we are your bone and your flesh. So you can see how these two chapters go together. In times past, when Saul was king, you were the one that is in and out. I'm. Hopefully, I didn't recopy the same one. I think this is a. I think this is a, the right chapter. Really, you can tell me if I if my accidentally copied and pasted, but it could be that that these chapters are this close um, because the two books are kind of mirrors of one another and tell the same story. Saul was king, you were the one who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord your God said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel and you shall be prince over my people Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king in Hebron and David made a covenant with them in Hebron before the Lord and they anointed David king over Israel according to the word of the Lord through Samuel. Verse four, then David and all Israel went to Jerusalem that is, Jebus, and the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, were there. The inhabitants of Jebus said to David, You shall not enter here. Nevertheless, David captured the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. Now David had said, Whoever strikes down a Jebusite shall be chief and commander. Joab, the son of Zeruah, went up first, so he became chief Then David dwelt in the stronghold, therefore it was called the city of David. He built the city all around, from the Milo even to the surrounding area, and Joab repaired the rest of the city. 
David became greater and greater, for the Lord of hosts was with him. Now these are the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who gave him strong support in the kingdom together with all Israel, to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. These constitute the list of the mighty men of David, whom David had. Jeroboam, the son of the Hachamanite, the chief of the 30, he lifted up his spear against the 300 whom he killed at one time. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Alhite, who was one of the three mighty men. He was with David at Pastamim when the Philistines gathered together there to battle. And there was a plot of ground full of barley, and the people fled before the Philistines. They took their stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord saved them by a great victory. Now three of the thirty chief men went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam, while the army of the Philistines was camping in the valley of, of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold while the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. David had a craving and said, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water from the well of Bethlehem, which was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, David would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me before my God that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? For at the risk of their lives they brought it. Therefore he would not drink it. These things the mighty men did. As for Abishai, the brother of Joab, he was chief of the thirty, and he swung his spear against three hundred and killed them. And he had a name as well as the thirty. Of the three in the second rank, he was the most honored and became their commander. However, he did not attain to the first three. Benaniah, the son of Jodiah, son of a valiant man of Kabzil, mighty indeed, struck down two of the sons of Ariel of Moab. He also went down and killed a lion inside a pit on a snowy day. He killed an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits tall. Now, in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam, and he went down to him with a club and snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things Benaniah the son of Jedediah did and had a name as well as the three mighty men. Behold, he was honored among the thirty, but he did not attain to the three. And David appointed him over his guard. Now the mighty men of the armies of Ashael, the brother of Joab, Elanan, son of Dodo the Bethlehem, of Bethlehem, Shemoth of Hararite, Helez of Pelonite, Ira the son of Ikish and Tekoite, Abiser and Anathite, Anathite, Sebikai, Heshethite, Ila, Eli, no, that one I don't know, Alhite, Perari, the Nephathite, um, Helen the son of Bana, and 
Netrophathite. Ithai, the son of Rabbi of Gilead, the son of Benjamin. Benani, no. Ben, Beniah, the Pirathonite, and Harai, of the brooks of Gaash, Abiel, of Abathite, and Asmaveth of Berumite of Eliaba, Eliaba, E. Shalbonite, and the sons of Hashim, and, Gish, and Gishanite, Jonathan, the son of Shagi, E. the Herorite, Ahim, the son of Shekar, and the Herorite, and the Elphal, the son of Ur, Efer, the son of Mekarethite, and Ahijah, and Pelinite, the Pelinite, Hezro, the Kamalite, Narai, the son of Zebai, jo- Joel, the brother of Nathan, Nibha, the son of Hagri, Z- uh, Zilek, the son of Ammonite, and Zerari, the Barothite, the armor-bearer of Joab, the son of Zerari, Ira, the son of the Ithrite, the Gareb, the Ithrite, and Uriah, the Hittite, Zebab, the son of Ahali, Adina, uh, Adina, the son of Shiza, the Reubenite, the chief of the Reubenites, the thirty, and the thirty with him, Hanan, the son of Maka, and Jepha, um, Jephathite, no, no, Johaphath, and Mithnite, the Mithnite, Uziah, and Asterathite, and Shammah, and Jeriel, the son of Hothram, and Horarite, the Jeriel, the son of Shemri, Joam, Joah, the brother of the Tisrite, Elel, the son of the Mahavite, Ejerabai, the Joshaviah, the son of Helenam, Ithamah, the Moabite, Eliel, the, the, and Moab, no, and Obed, Jasiel, the Miserable. Boy, I wasn't ready for all those names coming to that quick. Can you imagine having a roll call of all those of all those guys? That must have been pretty, pretty amazing for the to announce those names so quickly. But anyway, um, we see the how close these stories are. So, so close. In fact, I thought I was reading a copy. And sometimes you know how you cut, you copy and paste over. <laughs> I thought I actually did that, the same one because it was that close in the beginning. But here you see the story of David being anointed, coming before the people in Hebron, being uh, ratified, acknowledged as their king. He's now going to be the king of the south, as we're going to see. They have issues with the, the people up in the north of Israel, at least in the beginning, they do. But he's later going to go. It's interesting, it says Esther, seven years and six months. You know, seven's a year of completion. Why they add the six month? I don't know. It's interesting because he then reigns 33 years in Jerusalem, which is another very biblical prophetic number. Three being the number of the Trinity. Three being doubled is, is, is kind of a holy number. It's very, uh, it's very significant. Biblically and prophetically, it's one of the reasons why the Masons kind of stole that number. Um, and they 
place high value on it in the free, the not so Freemasons. So um, anyway, we see David gains in fame. He's gained in honor. He's gaining alliances uh, with his people around him, and he's gaining wives. David is at a place where he is being established as the king of Israel. Reigns for 40 years. 40 often a time of testing, but certainly here it was a time of, of great um, advancing in the nation of Israel, establishing. There was really no other time that Israel was as established and as honored as it was with David. Yeah, it was under Solomon too, but David had something. In fact, at some degree, it grew greater under Solomon as far as territory, I think. But there was something special about the reign of David because it was so connected to God. Solomon may have gained a little bit more on the horizontal plane as far as some of the wealth, some of the territory. But I'm not sure he did on the vertical. David, even with his sin with Bathsheba, even with this, where he blew it, had a connection with God that brought the people into a deeper walk with God, which was what the whole point of Israel was supposed to be. And so... The reign of David, it was not without being challenged, as we will continue to see. Um, they're going to see, you know, we get this division that begins now as the nation is, is established, and it's going to continue until it finally breaks apart under Solomon, unfortunately. But we're, we're only now seeing Jerusalem and Israel as a unified nation. You know, it didn't last that long as a unified nation, only a couple of generations, so to speak, David and Solomon, before it really split apart. And even under David, it was it was divided for, for a while. So it was only under Solomon that it stayed unified through his reign for most of it. But now we've seen that it's back together, and people argue about whether it's really back together because, you know, are the northern ten tribes there? Are they still lost? And that's all. That's all pretty much academic at this point. I believe they are back. Um, Israel has a hard time tracing where they're from, but the Jews are back in the land. It is unified. There's no challenge to that. There's no division among the Jews as far as the tribes go. So let's move on to now Charles Spurgeon. Wisdom for the asking. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and unbrighteth not, and it shall be given to him. James 5. That reads quite a bit different in my New American Standard, but yes. That's First James 5. If any of you lack wisdom, there is no if in the matter, for I am sure I lack it. What do I know? How can I guide my own way? How can I direct others? Lord, I am a mass of folly and wisdom. I have none. Thou sayest, let him ask of God. Lord, I now ask. Here at thy footstool, I ask to be furnished with heavenly wisdom for this day's perplexities. I, and for this day's simplicities. For I know I may do very stupid things, even in plain matters, unless thou dost keep me out of mischief. 
I thank thee that all I have to do is to ask. What grace is this on thy part, that I have only to pray in faith, and thou wilt give me wisdom? Thou dost here promise me a liberal education, and that too without an angry tutor or a scolding usher. This too thou wilt bestow without fee. Bestow it on a fool who lacks wisdom. O Lord, I thank thee for that positive and expressive word. It shall be given him. I believe it. Thou wilt this day make thy babe to know the hidden wisdom which the carnally prudent never learn. Thou wilt guide me with thy counsel and afterwards receive me to glory. Wow, as I know better devotionally you could read in the morning that God is ready and willing to give to you the wisdom that we need to go through our day. There is wisdom to guide our lives. So many people are running around not having a clue what they're what life is all about and why we're here. And we do. And we often, we are fools. We don't know how to live our lives. We mess up. But God says, ask, and I'll give it to you. And he'll give you the peace that surpasses understanding. He'll give you, he'll give you a, a stability in your life. I know people going through some very difficult times. Don't know exactly if they're for sure doing the right thing. But the one thing that they hold in front of other things is the Lord and say, Lord, I want to do what I want to do is honor you. Well, that's wisdom. That's God giving you wisdom. In the midst of turbulent times, people that don't know the Lord say, I don't care about you. I'm abandoning. I'm going to do whatever I can to crawl all over you and everybody else and get what I think I need. And um, I don't care about honor. I don't care about love. I don't care about respect. I don't care about anything. They will they will scratch and claw and do anything they feel necessary to get ahead and get what they want. And it's so sad uh, to see that. We, on the other hand, may be suffering, and we may have health issues, financial issues, and we're going, Lord, this is crazy. I, I don't know what to do. And, and often we don't know what to do, but we continue to know that God is in control and we continue to honor him and we say things may be falling apart but I'm not going to let that affect my relationship with you nor am I going to let it affect my devotion and my worship of you. I'm going to continue to worship and seek your face. Now that's the beginning of wisdom because the fool says there's no God, right? The fool says there's, there, there's no point to this life. But the believer says there is and so you go to the source and you continue to read his word, you continue to pray, and we don't always make the right decision. You look at King David made some bad decisions. He made some dumb decisions, and he was full of the Holy Spirit. I mean, God had the Spirit all over that guy, and God personally, think about this. You know, there were times where God was personally focused on one person for his plan. That was David or Solomon, and they still made mistakes. So it's not that wisdom will prevent us from making mistakes. It's just there when we can tap into it. It's there, available to us. And God allows us, in my humble opinion, which um, may not count for much, but he allows us free will 
to make decisions. And we can choose to satisfy the flesh or satisfy the spirit. We can choose to trust in ourselves or, or trust in God. And it's often when we choose to trust in ourselves or gratify the flesh is when we are not listening to wisdom and when we make those mistakes. And God will often <laughs> guide us and direct us when we are focused on the worship part, when we're focused on the word. That tends to be when we're going to make the right decisions. And even though it may not always make sense, because right, we walk by faith and not by sight. So in all your ways, don't I mean don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and and pray and ask God for more wisdom. Ask him to give you the wisdom that we need so that we can make the right decisions as he says for the complex things or for the simple things. Beautiful. Well, let's go ahead and spend some time praying now and give God this time. And as always, that pray for the people that, that need it. You guys know that you can, uh, if you want to send in really s- simple, short prayer requests, be free to do that, and we'll try and see if we can get it included in our prayer time. So, Father God, thank you for blessing us this morning, giving us this time. We ask that you would... Um, Give us wisdom. Father, we pray corporately this morning. Father, we need wisdom. In the days that we're living right now with the the insanity of the world and the anger, the division, the lack of love, the fear that's going all around us, give us wisdom, Father, so we can help people come out of their darkness and out of their fear and out of their depression, and come to love you. Give us wisdom and how to continue as a church. Wisdom, Father, and how to grow and share your word. Father, I, I need it. I feel that I can't make it one single move without you, without your guidance, because I don't know what I'm doing. Father, I just need you, and we need you to guide us and direct us. So thank you for this morning. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you that we can see how you raise people up by your spirit to help a world see that you are there and that you are loving, that you are caring, that you want a relationship. David was to be a shining light to the world to say, this is what is possible when you seek me. A land which has peace and is established and and actually ultimately run by God, by his servants. And there having abundance and rest. So this is what we seek after, God. And in that, we want to lift up our our brothers and sisters, which are going through difficult times, specifically right now in the Ukraine, as there are many, many people there, Christians and and non-believers, Muslims, that are just getting blown apart. The the carnality and the, the cruelty of these attacks coming from Russia just is so senseless but Father we pray that you would stop them and stop the death toll God and the senseless killing for the for the purpose of gaining territory for their own selfish gain so Father please whether it be whoever started this 
However politically complicated and corrupt it is because Ukraine is not innocent, it has had its own issues, um, we ask that you would just stop the war because of the innocent that are being slaughtered. Pray for the children, pray for the old people that can't defend themselves. You give them a way out. And those that are able to fight God, pray you give them the ability to defend their families. That's all I can say, Father, it's so difficult. We need your wisdom to understand the situation. But use the those that are in power positions of leadership with their ambassadors and their all of their uh, their people in government to come together and solve this issue. But for the Calvary Chapels there, we pray for them. Pray for the pastor there in Kiev, if he's still there, or of Calvary Chapel, or wherever they are, that you protect them, that you would give them food, shelter, and transportation when they need it, medicine. Thank you for Tony and Bernice that are there working in Poland. And pray, Father, you just give them a lot of insight on how to minister to these people that are probably very angry, maybe very scared, I'm sure very scared, and and um, divided and hopeless. So give hope in this hopeless situation. And Father, we know there's a lot of other wars going on. There's a lot of horrible things going on as well. In Africa, there's stuff going on in China. The Chinese are still getting ready to invade Taiwan. We pray against that. We pray, Father, that you would continue to keep Israel strong in a position where they cannot be attacked. And uh, they know, they get the information of knowing when the attack is coming. We know that they are doing a lot of things to prevent Iran from coming and clearly launching missiles to wipe them out. So we just pray for that, God. You keep them not overstepping their bounds and not getting ahead of you, but actually falling in to sync with you, God, that you pray that the leaders, the Knesset would those that are God-fearing people and not secular, that they would help the rest of the Knesset understand that you're still God over Israel and help them learn how to fear you and ask for your guidance and direction. And for our brothers and sisters dealing with cancer, uh, for their treatments, Father, we, we pray that you would get them through it, get them to the point where those cancer cells are, are dead and they can move on with their life because we know there is now there is life uh, after cancer. We know that people are surviving and are continuing on. We praise you for that. We pray for our brother Juan Carlos in Mexico City, which has just been devastated with this sinus tumor, which we're not even sure it's cancerous, but it's been ruining his life, and he's had a lot of discomfort. So we pray, God, that he could get this result and get this tumor removed. And for the rest, Father, we just lift them up. And for your comfort, ask you bring him comfort, bring them the right treatment, the right medicine, and get them healed. So thank you, Father. I ask you to bless our time tonight in service, that it would be glorifying to you, that you'd give me your words, that you would supernaturally, God, work through me as I have need of total uh, total knowledge and wisdom. I need, Father, your spirit to be working and uh, guiding and directing so that we all are hearing from you. So let us, Father, come before you this evening and worship and praise and ask for your blessing and your guidance and for your spirit to be poured out and to teach us. Thank you for the fellowship of believers and everyone who's been so consistent 
and faithful to serve while we've been gone. Everybody online that's been involved with it, so thank you for that. We we praise you, and, and just thank you for our beautiful little church here in Puerto Vallarta. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that'll do it for this morning, and we'll... Uh, get moving over to the Spanish in a minute. And if you guys working on your Spanish that want to come down here, well, come back in a few minutes when we get started, and uh, you'll be amazed on how many words you might know as I read through this. So it's always a good idea to keep trying. Keep trying. We need you down here. We need more workers. Besides, there's a lot of English speakers, so whatever God leads. Uh, it's fun doing this. Thank you guys for being a part of this. Let's continue to grow it. Let other people know we want it. We're our, our, our target audience, as I was asked by my missions coordinator, what's your demographic for the program? What are you targeting? I said, well, that's, that's easy. People who aren't reading their Bibles for themselves. That's our demographic. People that read their Bibles every morning and have their own quiet time and they're content. Man, praise God. But what we want to do is help those that aren't and that want to be consistent. And there's an accountability, you know, when you wake up every morning and say, hey, I know my brother's going to be online. We've got to get online. We're reading together. And so that's what we want to do. We want to draw more people in uh, for that purpose. So let them know, and uh, let's continue to develop the ministry together. So let me see if we've got announcement coming in. So thank you, guys, and we will see you again tomorrow or this evening, please. <laughs> Tune in, turn on, click, whatever you say these days. Uh, for the service, we'll be, we will go live at uh, 6.30. So we'll see you.